This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This is an awfully big night for Matt Eberflus. Awfully big night for the Chicago Bears organization. It's Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio Sirius XM Channel 80 on this Thursday. Joseph Fortenbaugh, how goes the battle? May have been a bit out over my skis picking against your beloved Texas Rangers yesterday. May have you been a bit may? out over my skis. You Didn't may catch the game. Wasn't, wasn't glued to the TV. Had some things going on in the afternoon. Kids coming back from school, all that stuff. But I looked up at one point, and as you remember, I took the Rays in the first five innings. Yeah. I saw I was down 4 nothing in the fourth, and I thought... Well, that's not good for a five-inning bet. No, and then I moved not. on with my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then somehow you were able to navigate the rest of the day. Yeah. Somehow I just, I, I soldiered through because, and this might be a bit of breaking news to people out there, not the first wager I've lost. Come not on. Not the first one. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. I, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> well, Listen. I was more than happy to take the W yesterday, and we will get into some of the baseball later on at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your way to be a part of the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at Chris Carlin, at Joe Fortenbaugh, at Carlin versus Joe. Peter King yesterday making an appearance on a Chicago radio station made an interesting comment that he would not be surprised if The Bears lose in bad fashion tonight that they make a change and fire Matt Eberflus. And it's odd on a couple of different levels. Not even odd. I'd say surprising on a couple of different levels. Number one, Peter King's not a guy that kind of throws that stuff out there very often. He's not a guy that wants to openly talk about speculation on people's jobs. And number two, It's not something the Bears usually do, but as he pointed out, you cannot lose 14 games in a row and hang on to your job. What this could be tonight is a turning point for the Chicago Bears organization, and believe it or not, in a good way. So to your point, the Chicago Bears have never fired a coach uh, during the season. They always wait until after the season to do that. So it would be odd to see something like that. I think that would be extremely misguided by the Chicago Bears. Huge mistake to fire Eberflus at this point in time. There's one thing Matt Eberflus has been very good at since he got to Chicago. Losing. And right now you're in a position where, let's be honest, you're trying to lose as much as possible so you can jockey into that first overall selection. So why would you take a coach who you're paying and will continue to pay, and when you finally need him to do the one thing he's good at, you get rid of him? He's lost 14 straight. He's 3-17 and as the head coach of your organization. You want him in this spot. You want him to continue to bring down the culture. You want him to continue to do exactly what he's doing that's resulted in so many losses before. Because here's a potential problem. Have you ever heard of the dead coach bounce, Carlin? I I have, yeah. You have. It's a play off the stock market, the dead cat bounce. For those who don't know what that is, it's when you have a stock or perhaps the entire market And there's this long trend of going down. Stock price has just been dropping six months, eight months, a year. And then suddenly there's a small period where it pops, right? It goes back up for a bit. And people think maybe we're going to rally. And then inevitably it continues its downward trajectory. That is called the dead cat bounce. 
in regards to the stock market. The dead coach bounce is when your team is trending in the wrong direction. You fired the head coach. The next guy steps in. The team rallies. They get up. They have a big performance because, quite frankly, they feel a little bit responsible for what just happened. They go out. They win a game or two. People think, oh, my God, it's turning around. And then, of course, they go back into the tank. If you're Chicago, you don't want those wins right now. You don't want to jeopardize the situation you're currently in. So avoid the dead cat, the dead coach bounce because if you fire him after tonight, you got 10 days to get ready for Minnesota, who you're going to be hosting. That becomes a winnable game all of a sudden, and that's the last thing you want to do right now if you're the Bears. Well, I get the th- I get the theory behind it for sure, and you're right. Matt Eberflus has been exceptional at losing with yes. the Bears. There's no question. Uh, I would point to a few things here, though. Uh, I would point to the quarterback and what has transpired with Justin Fields and how his lack of development has just continued because of Matt Eberflus and not having the right people around that quarterback because the talent is there and you see it on days like this past Sunday, what he is capable of doing. And I don't believe he's just a flash guy where that can show up. I think it can show up. Uh, more often than that. But he needs to be around the right people. The Bears, their focus, you are 100% correct, has to be the number one pick. They basically need to be the producers of the NFL. Tank it, make it happen as best you can, and they're actually (laughs) worth more being in that position of being able to get their quarterback. I mean, they're going to have the first two picks in the draft. It certainly feels that way, or at least two of the first three. And well, be careful with Carolina. They're not going to go in the tank because they have their guy. So you right. can't bank on them being one of the two worst. They, they likely will be, but you can't bank on that. Can't you can control it, your own destiny. The Bears need to be stoic. Control yes. what you can control. And, and I get the theory behind it. My bigger thing here, though, is I think this gives you an opportunity. You can look at the next couple of weeks here. If it gets bad tonight, hey, here we are at 0-5, Okay. Everybody look around. Your priorities in the NFL can change that quickly. So now we need to move on from not just the coach, but we know what our goal is for the rest of this season, and we need to maximize what we can in return for Justin Fields before the trade deadline. Because, Joe, when you look at the teams that we have identified as needing a long-term solution at quarterback, Clearly, not all of them are going to be able to be in position to go and draft a quarterback this coming year. I mean, more more so than not, you're going to have to be looking at other options. And Fields is going to be someone that if you're, let, let's say you are a team like, I'm not going to say Tennessee, but a team Atlanta, like, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. You're trying to figure out exactly what you're going to be, where you're going to end up being middle of the pack, right? Going to end up being outside the top 10 for your pick. If that's the case, why wouldn't you think about making the trade now to get your guy in your system and start working with him and start figuring it out with fields as opposed to unloading a ton of assets to try to get up top and you don't even know that you can do you think it's better for the Bears in terms of return on investment to make the deal this year rather than the offseason? I'm not saying I have the answer to that, but as I think that through, how many 
teams are legitimately going to be looking to address the quarterback position in late October, given their salary cap situation, given their draft pick situation, given the uncertainty, uncertainty, excuse me, around some of that for the future versus when you get to the offseason and everyone kind of has the opportunity to look around and assess where they're at. Well, but that's the beauty about Fields. You're not going to be paying him a ton for a couple of years. Like he's in year three. So if you decide to trade him now, then you are the if you're the team getting him, he's not going to kill your cap. He's not going to kill your cap next year. You can basically hold all the cards in your hand as to what you want to do. Fifth year option? Yes or no. If not, we like what he does in year four. Then we go ahead and we franchise them. We try to work out a longer-term deal, something along those lines. There are teams in need of answers at the position and that are not going to be in the position to draft someone long-term. I'd rather get them now, especially when I can get them into an offense and start to get him familiar with what we do. Well, you'd rather get him now, and I can understand that side of the equation, but how many of those teams are there now versus in the offseason? Like, if you're Atlanta, you might be sitting here saying, look, the quarterback position's a problem, but we've only had Ritter start, what is it, maybe seven or eight games, I don't really know. We're going to give him a full season, and then we'll reassess. Atlanta may be off the table right now. But then at the end of the year, you play 17 games, you realize Ritter is not the guy. We need to address this. The problem is we won seven games. We're drafting 10th, and we're not going to get one of these top two quarterbacks. So now we make the call for Justin Fields. Okay, but who's going to be looking for quarterbacks after this season? We we all seem to think that Arizona is going to be, unless when Kyler Murray comes back, he's amazing. Uh, we all seem to think that Atlanta's going to be right there. The Rams are probably going to have to start considering that. Absolutely they are. I don't, th- I don't think there's any doubt that there could be a Stafford retirement in the offing not too far in the future. Uh, we don't know with Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay at the end of the year. Maybe they want him, maybe they don't. Uh, it, this is the point. There are a lot more teams that are trying to figure that out in the moment and by the time the deadline rolls around, they're going to have a better answer. Okay. And that, that's what I'm working with here. But if I'm the Bears, first and foremost, losing tonight is pushing me in the direction I need to go. And if it gets ugly tonight, firing Matt Eberflus is at least a signal to everybody else. Hey, what's going on here is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. You worry about the new coach bounce? I don't. I don't. There's, I don't look at anybody on that staff and immediately think, you know what? I hand the reins to that guy. He's going to get this sucker turned around. No. No. Well, just just remember something. With the Raiders, I don't think anyone looked at Rich, Rich Bisaccia and thought, this is the guy that's going to lead this franchise into the next era. But he took over for Gruden. He steadied the locker room. That team ended up going to the playoffs. But he they lost took- to Cincinnati in a tight game. And then Bisaccia didn't get the job the next year. It didn't go to him. They, they went out and they brought in, you know, Josh McDaniels. But it's not just about who the guy is stepping up. It's just about the fact that now there's a change. You've changed something and change in this case can't be worse than it currently is and with 10 days to get ready for a lousy minnesota team you could you could fire up that locker room to go out there and win that game carlin versus joe espn radio presented by progressive insurance progressive makes bundling easy and affordable get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle rv boat atv and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com 
I'll tell you what, it was a really bad day yesterday for one NFL young player who is learning on the job in more ways than one. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, there's another. And this one belongs to Wayne Mafe. Ball is out. Jones goes down again. The Giants recover. The record for the Seahawks, 11 sacks. It ties that record now. I got to do a better job getting through my reads, getting the ball out of my hand, and making quick decisions. So I'll definitely look to work on that. No protection, and maybe from being sacked a whole bunch of times, he just made some terrible decisions. <laughs> just a bad night for Daniel Jones. And it wasn't made easier by his offensive line, and it wasn't made easier a day later when a frustrated member of that offensive line popped off about the fans. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Evan Neal, who is the young right tackle for the New York Giants. Let the fans have it. And this was not immediately after the game. This was a day later. So it wasn't in the heat of the moment, Joe. It was, I don't want to say premeditated, but certainly had time to think about it before he made a comment like this. Evan Neal said that on Monday night as he was walking out, he kind of made a gesture, not an obscene one, toward the fans because they were booing, and he basically said, boo louder. He told this to NJ.com. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Most critics really don't understand the game of football to the level that we understand it in this building. So why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep? I'm just going to focus on Evan and getting better. I honestly do not care what anybody has to say about Evan Neal's because Evan Neal because they're going to talk anyway. I'll tell you what, that could not be a dumber thing to say 
when you're a part of a bad football team and you just gave up 11 sacks and now you're basically trying to turn full villain and look for as many as many enemies as you possibly can and and frankly i'm pretty surprised by that comment from evan neal yeah i mean you know the sad thing about youth is that it's wasted on the young right this is young this is ignorant he just turned 23 years old it's a stupid thing to say um it's not understandable there's no way to defend it but you can kind of understand the frustration levels boiling over at some point because, again, this is a young individual who, oh, by the way, you know, played at Alabama. Like, mm-hmm. when you come from Alabama, you're used to winning. It is a disappointment if you are not the absolute best team in the country at the end of the season. That's the disappointment. You're contending for championships everywhere. You're winning every week. You get used to that. You, pl- you go through that for years. And a lot of these guys, it's the same thing in high school. They're on teams where they win all the time. So you come to the NFL. You have this season last year where you surprise everybody. You're the toast of the town. Everyone's very excited. You go to Minnesota. You win a playoff game. And you think you're good. And we've talked about this. The Giants did a very poor job of evaluating themselves from last season to this season because they thought they were good. They were not. Last year was the byproduct of an easy schedule and a lot of coin flips going your way. Well, this year, you're not even in coin flip situations. You're just getting rolled because your team isn't that good. And now the frustrations are starting to boil over. You know, it's one thing when you're losing some tight games. You find yourself 2-2. Two and two. You're Pittsburgh, maybe. Two bad losses, but two wins. Or you're the Falcons. You're involved in a lot of close games. The Giants got waxed by 40 against Dallas. They got waxed by 18 against the Niners. They just got waxed by 21 at home, prime time against the Seahawks. And you had a miracle comeback to get by the Cardinals. So those frustrations are boiling over. Evan Neal speaking on it. He's young. He's ignorant with what he said. He's apologized. I'm not going to read too much into it. It's just yet another. And this isn't going to be the end of stories like this coming out of New York because the Giants are in for one hell of a bad season. Well, the problem here is not even the fact that he made a mistake in saying it, but it amplifies everything. It ramps it up and it ramps up the frustration of the fan base even more. And it's just one more thing they didn't need in this circumstance. And as you can imagine, it did not go over well, as voiced <laughs> by Giant fan Don LaGreca on 98.7 ESPN New York. Are you kidding me? i cut his ass. I would. How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs, to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers block than your piece of garbage ass. Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. And I don't want to hear some apology. I don't want to hear, oh, I was taken out of contact. I didn't mean, I don't want to hear, done, done. I would cut his fat ass. You see him in the mall of Willowbrook, boo his ass. If you see him on the DMV, boo him. Don't stop booing him. If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him. If he wins a Super Bowl, boo his sorry ass. Screw that guy. We're not nobody. Flipping, but how are you taught? How do you condescend to people that pay to watch you play? Poorly, I might add. 
Uh, a bit of hyperbole in there, I would say. <laughs> I don't think... Uh... I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I don't think Don was sugarcoating anything there. No, he wasn't. And I have to say there are a few different things. On a, on a local level, the mall at Willowbrook is like referencing a mall from 1978. Uh, <laughs> first of all. Uh, second of all, if you're from New Jersey, you get that. But you, but if not, I'm sorry. Secondly, um, I, uh, I love Don. Perhaps went over the line a little bit in some of what he was saying. But... This is what we're talking about. This is where fans are going to feel exactly that way. And so when things are going poorly, part of the social contract that NFL players have with us as fans is that they understand that we have the right to criticize when you decide that you want to play on that platform. Yeah, I mean, that's just... So often, the younger professional athletes who are making a lot of money, they don't necessarily understand that the money's not just for what you do basketball-wise. It's for everything you're going to deal with. Like, you're not getting $25 million a year just to score 30 points in the NBA per game. You're yeah. getting that because there's going to be marketing involved. There's going to be PR involved. There's going to be community involvement involved. There's going to be a lot of pressure that you're going to face and stress because people are going to be talking about you on a national platform. That's how it works. That's how it works. You just understand it comes with the territory because if no one was watching, those salaries wouldn't exist. You wouldn't have all that money from the TV rights and everything else. So it's because people are watching that the TV rights go up and then that money goes into a big pot and gets divided up amongst the owners and then they spend it on the players. Then you go out and get your endorsements and things of that nature. So yeah, this comes with the territory. Again, I'll, I'll credit youth. It's a kid from Alabama who is used to winning. He made some very unfortunate statements, and he's going to pay for them. But we're all going to move on because what we deal with on a regular basis, this pales in comparison, right? The next story is coming right down the line, and it's going to be far worse than a couple comments said in frustration. Like what he said was wrong, not defending it, not saying the fans shouldn't be upset, but there are greater travesties in the world today. So for Evan Neal, wake up, play better, because there's plenty of highlights from that matchup where he was missing block after block and sack after sack. And that's the big fight right now. Like, how much of this is on Daniel Jones and how much is on the offensive line? All of it is on the organization for putting the team in this situation. He did apologize, as you said, for yeah. it. And he did, which I think part of the apology that I think was important was that the fact that he acknowledged he made light of somebody else's job, which you should never do uh, by any stretch. And uh, listen, but the rest of it is it's a PR apology. We know what that is. Right. It's not he's not apologizing because he's reflected upon what he said. He's apologizing because he has to. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I just want to know this in the grander scheme quickly. When you have problems like this and you're looking at this from the outside in and then you add something on top like Evan Neal's comments, problems like you've had as a team so far, does that you as someone who specializes in wagering maybe catch your eye for the following week uh, in a negative question. light? Yeah, without question you pay attention to things like this because, again, there's bad and there's dysfunctional. We know that the Bears are dysfunctional. Right now we just think the Giants are bad. They could be on the verge of dysfunctional. And when you're dysfunctional, that's when a team ends up finding new and creative ways to lose football games. Well, next we speak to a former member of that organization who knows it all too well. 
and certainly has a strong opinion on Evan Neal's comments. It's on the way. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. to the New York Giants season. It's over. It's, it's a wrap. The biggest issue that I have is that I let myself believe that this team could actually be good. Shame on me. If you're the Giants, 9-7-1, and one, and you made the playoffs and you win a playoff game, did that cause them to evaluate themselves incorrectly? That was probably a team closer to needing a rebuild than it was to a championship. I heard this throughout the summer from somewhere. I, I don't. Oh, it was me who told you this. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Canty, why didn't you just listen to me? Chris Canty joins us right now from Unsportsmanlike. I told you they were not going to be very good, and you didn't buy it. So now what? I was drinking the big blue Kool-Aid that Brian Dayball was pouring. Don't be mad at me. I got blood in the ground over there. I root for that organization to be good. It's hard for me to be objective when given an evaluation. I can't work with you blaming stuff on me all the time. (laughs) Oh, man. Kenny, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on with us. We know you're big time, so so to be able to slide in, to get a sliver of the big man on the show means a lot. You know, as we talk about the Giants, Evan Neal, the comments, you were obviously very passionate about this. How do you get back on the good side of Giants fans after something like that? Play well, and the team has success. Now, unfortunately for Evan Neal, the schedule doesn't set up that way because you're on the road against Miami this week. Following week, you got a road game against the Bills, and then you're home against the Commanders, who look like a better football team than you through the first quarter of the season. So, yeah, I I don't think it's going to be great for Evan Neal. But I also don't think it's going to be great for the Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball and the rest of the people in that building at 1925 Giants Drive. Guys, this is going to get ugly times ugly. And I made this statement earlier in the week based on how abysmal they were in Monday Night Football. Having extra time to prepare and putting that kind of product on the field. I said that Brian Dayball gives me Ben McAdoo vibes. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that the Giants are going to fire Brian Dayball in year two. But it's hard to envision the record being much better through the first 12 or 13 games than it was in Ben McAdoo's second year. They fired him at 2-10. and 10. I'm not saying the Giants are going to fire Dayball because he had a playoff win and McAdoo didn't. But how much leash does the head coach deserve to get 
when the product on the field is this bad. Chris, what's the biggest issue facing this team? Why are they in this position? Big fella, they can't do things that are fundamental to football. They can't block. They, they've invested premium picks on the offensive line. Now, all pro Andrew Thomas is hurt, so that doesn't help matters. But John Michael Schmitz, the second rounder, he got banged up a little bit. Evan Neal, a top 10 pick from two years ago, he's underwhelmed. I just look at the offensive line. They're not good at blocking. They're not good at pass protection. They're not good at run blocking. Then you flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. They can't tackle. They are bottom five in terms of total number of missed tackles on the season. They don't rush the passer. They're not good at that either. So what? So that's the thing. It's, a, it's one thing for other teams to have more talent than you. But nobody going into the Monday night game said that Seattle was head and shoulders from a talent standpoint above the New York Giants. Nobody said that. And the Giants got their doors blown off. This team, through four games, has played exactly one good half of football. Through the first four games, they have the worst first-half scoring differential in NFL history. History. That's the part that I put on the head coach. I get that there are some flaws that make it hard to work around when you have a, top, a quarterback making top-of-the-market money that has average to above-average ability. I understand all of that. But there are some things that are just fundamental to the game of football that well-coached teams don't do. How about the six penalties on special teams on Monday night? Do good teams do that? I don't know, Joe. You tell me. No. Fellas, you tell me. Because I don't think they do. But I no. could be wrong. That's very well said. Very well said. And exacerbating the issue for the Giants, each of their three horrific losses has come in a standalone primetime game. Sunday night football against the Cowboys, Thursday night football against San Francisco, uh, Monday night football against Seattle. There's no team in the history of the NFL that wants out of primetime more than the New York Giants. Chris Canny joining us here, Carlin versus Joe. No, they've been outscored 94 to 15 in those games. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't pretty. The entire world watching to, those games. I have to laugh to keep from crying. No. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about another primetime game. Sunday Night Football, Levi Stadium in, well, Santa Clara. The Niners are going to host the Cowboys. Niners four-point favorite. Carlin believes that this has Niner blowout written all over it. Do you agree with your former co-host? Well, I, I will say this. It's a huge game for the Dallas Cowboys, more so than the 49ers. I, I think the Cowboys have an opportunity to make a statement about who they are and what they want to be about, similar to what we saw the Bills in week four against the Miami Dolphins. We don't have any questions about the 49ers. All of the questions are about Dallas in this matchup, and they really center around two people. Dak Prescott, can he avoid the self-inflicting wounds? And Mike McCarthy, can he put together a game plan that allows them to execute at a high level? If you listen to what Jerry Jones said, he mentioned Dak by name, and he talked about the execution. He's basically calling out his head coach and his general and his, and his quarterback. He says, if you guys are who I think you're capable of, based on the commitment that we've given you, then this should be a game that we can win. And until we win these games, we're not going to get this team to go where I want them to go. So I think Jerry Jones has put – his quarterback and his head coach on notice going into this matchup, and that's why I think there are huge implications for the Cowboys moving forward. Because when the owner is building it up and the players are building it up and talking about the importance of this, i.e. what Michael Parsons had to say to the media yesterday, then this team better damn well go out there and compete at a really high level. So if it is a blowout, then that's an indictment on the sports character of the locker room for the Dallas Cowboys. Chris Canny with us. Okay, what is, speaking of dysfunction on display in primetime, 
What is the biggest problem for the Chicago Bears? Ooh, everything. <laughs> where, do you, yeah. where do you start? Yeah, I mean, like, where do yeah. you start? I mean, Justin Fields wasn't drafted by this general manager, but he might as well have been because the general manager passed on a quarterback with the number one overall pick. He passed on being able to draft T.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Bryce Young. So Justin Fields, in effect, is his guy. Can I trust his judgment moving forward? Don't know about it. He's also the same guy that traded the Bears' second-round pick for Chase Claypool. How's that working out for you guys? Probably not so well. Also, when you look at the head coach, not that Matt Uberflus is the genesis of the problem, but he's certainly not fixing them. And if you look at his side of the ball, the defense, it's bad. They are one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. I want to say they're bottom five in yards and points. Guys, that's hard to do. And then on top of that, the quarterback looks like he's regressed from his second year to his third year after you got him a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. So I, I, I don't know that any of the people in the building can fix the problems that the Chicago Bears are going through right now. The best thing that Bears fans can hope for is that the organization allows this thing to burn all the way down to the ground, and hopefully you end up with the Carolina Panthers pick and your pick both being one of the two worst records in the National Football League who got the first two drafted. I, I just need you to be honest. Do you miss me? Are you having trouble sleeping at night? <laughs> I, 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 I do miss you. I, I miss you. And you know what? Joe has kind of grown on me, similar to a fungus growing on athlete's foot. Like, <laughs> Joe has kind of grown on me. Too. I, I like being around you guys. I like talking to you guys every day. But I miss you, big fella. I do. I, I do I, miss you. I do miss being around you. I do miss you, too. I do miss you, too, because yeah. you make me feel small. Yeah. Yeah. Can't take <laughs> And it's ironic and fitting because Joe's shirt today looks like a fungus, if I'm not mistaken. This is a beautiful wow. Hawaiian type shirt. This is I don't know I don't know what he's getting at. The man has no taste, as you know, Canty. Well, they just well, don't I can't trust your judgment, Joe. You you thought wearing a mustache was okay, so I don't know about that. <laughs> Christopher, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few. Gentlemen, y'all have a good one. Chris Canty, co-host of Unsportsmanlike in the Morning with Evan Cohen with Michelle Smallman. Weekdays, 6 to 10 a.m. on ESPN Radio. It is Carlin versus Joe. And in just moments, Joe made a huge mistake yesterday. He went against the family, and he paid for it. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. up in two games no game threes at all wow it's carlin versus joe espn radio sirius xm channel 80 the division series will pick up on saturday but yesterday yesterday we had some teams just rolling including the philadelphia phillies your hometown team team joseph Thanks to Bryson Stott. Lefty Nardi on the mound. His pitch swinging a high fly out toward right field. Sanchez watches as it sails over the wall for a grand slam. Bryson Stott into the seats in right field. And here in the bottom of the sixth, as fireworks. 
I love that bell in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park when it goes off. I love that thing. Red October. People, Mm. get behind it. It's such a beautiful thing watching the fans feed off the team and then in turn the team feeds off the fans and then in turn the fans feed off the team. It's this beautiful cycle happening at Citizens Bank Park and it's the second year in a row of this. Marlins were a nice story this year. Fourth career appearance in the postseason, but that's what happens when you run into the buzzsaw that is the Philadelphia Phillies in the postseason. I am so happy it's another matchup with the Braves. If you're Atlanta, for as great as you were through 162 games, you'll never say this publicly. This is the last team you want to see in the playoffs right now. Ooh, 7-1 to one, your final. That, of course, was on ESPN Radio yesterday. How about the Diamondbacks? They knock out the Brewers 5-2 to two the final yesterday. Tori Lovello, their manager, as you would imagine, a bit animated. Are you kidding me? Listen, this is part of the journey. We're not there yet. Let's enjoy it. Let's embrace it. Let's party. And a connected team is a dangerous team. We are dangerous. Let's party. Oh, wake up with Baker Mayfield vibes. Yeah. We're feeling dangerous. <laughs> but the Diamondbacks do move on to the division series uh, in the National League. And listen, I never would have seen that coming. And uh, frankly, I don't have much interest in it. No, I mean, on one hand, you're in a division with the Dodgers, who you know are going to be good, the Padres, who are expected to be good, the Giants, who were thought to be good. You're supposed to be an afterthought. And instead, you're not only in the postseason, but you're winning in the wild card round. I saw some stat. I don't have it exactly right. I don't know. Maybe someone else does. But I think Arizona is the first team in MLB postseason history, or I should say Milwaukee is, to have two leads of more than one run that they blew in back-to-back games. Something like that because the Brewers led in both those games. The Brewers had it and then just got beat. So Arizona with some serious resilience, nicely done. And for Milwaukee, just a you know what? It's that's the end of the NL Central, and we're all better better for it. Uh, And listen, I, I don't know what it is with Arizona. I still feel a little bit blah about them right now. Yeah, because there's, I mean, who's their star player? Yeah, it's. it's That's why. 84 wins and. Okay, good for you. I I didn't mean to downplay. Yes, I did. I did mean to downplay their accomplishment. How about the Twinkies? Minnesota winning back to back playoff games. We talked about yesterday snapping the 18 game losing streak in the playoffs, and they are moving on. Sonny Gray getting it done with five shutout innings yesterday against the Blue Jays, and uh, John Schneider took Barrios out pretty early in that game. That was bizarre after he had uh, basically walked the leadoff batter in the fourth inning. Oh, get him out. That that was just weird. Here's Carlos Correa after the game. The twin storage is twin Feel shortstop. great. Feel great. Obviously, they got a great team, and so do we. So we're we're going out there with the mentality that we can compete against anybody. And when I look at our roster, um, we're every, everywhere you look. We're ready, and uh, our bullpen, our side rotation, our lineup is deep. So I feel really good about the team we have, and I feel confident going into Houston. I believe I just called him the Twins Torch Shop. That'll happen. As opposed, You're thinking to about the... pork chops. 
No, I'm thinking about law with torts. That's what I'm thinking about. The um, I'm glad Toronto lost. I'm glad glad Toronto's eliminated. And this is nothing against the great city of Toronto or the great people of Toronto. If you're going to pull your starter after 47 pitches when he's dealing, you deserve every bad thing baseball-wise that's going to happen to you. That's galaxy brain. That's called outthinking the room. That's called being all head, not enough balls. And I know a lot of people will hear that and go, whoa, whoa, you can't say that. There's too much of that in baseball. That's what San Francisco is. They're all head. It's just, oh, we're going to gain an edge here. We're going to gain an edge there. We're going to outthink the room. Nobody platoons more than the Giants. And then at the end of the season, everyone's out of gas. How are you out of gas if you're playing less than everybody else? Like the guys who look at the spreadsheets, they've found ways to optimize their teams. But sometimes they're overdoing it and they're overthinking it. And every now and again, you got to let an athlete go be an athlete. And to pull Barrios after 47 pitches yesterday when he was Terrible. dealing, only for Kikuchi to come in and immediately get touched up that you deserve everything that's coming for you for decisions like that they gave him 131 million dollars to get pulled after 47 what do you do why would you pay him why would you start him why are you even in this business if a guy's doing his job well and you're saying you know what i think he's pitching too well let's change it up things are going too well for us right now just pure stupidity Sorry, I cut you off there. That's all right. I thought you were done. Still learning the little intricacies of what Quite makes all right. Joe Fortenbaugh tick. So let's reset that. How about what Texas did yesterday? The Rangers rolling through the the Tampa race thanks to a guy that wasn't even on the team a month ago. He's at third for Evan Carter. First pitch, he swings, crushes it, right field, wall, gone! Evan Carter, the rookie, again! It's a two-run shot to right, and just like that, it is 4-0 Rangers in the fourth in game two. How about Evan Carter? Because he, he is a guy that is on the team right now, Joe, because there was a loophole with injuries. Otherwise, he wasn't on the roster September 1st. And now he has come up, one of their top prospects, and absolutely lit it up. Nate Evaldi, six and two-third, one run yesterday. The Rangers advance. Has a team ever started a baseball season 14-0 and and won zero playoff games? The answer is obviously no, because no team's ever started 14-0. and Except for the Rays this year when they set the MLB mark. They went on to win 99 games, zero postseason wins. Complete disaster of an ending for Tampa Bay. Oof, oof. See, but what did you learn yesterday? Don't bet against the family. Exactly. Because when you bet against the family, there's always going to be a price to pay. That price yesterday for you was relatively delicate. You just, you know, you lost your wager. But you do it again, I don't know. (laughs) Might have to get Moose and Rocco to come visit. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.